Hey everybody, this is Armando Torres, and you're listening to the show before the show. And I'm Peach Wesley. And with us we have... Andre Gazzetta! Yay! Yay! We've got another great episode for you this week. Uh, it's Paige's Week once again. Yeah! And if last week we were covering the Sky Perverts, this week we're covering the Sea Dogs. Yeah! He's the dog, the wet, wet dog. I looked out over the horizon, and with me eyes I was stirring the stew. Oh my god, that was, that was so really good. good. Thank you. I should be a famous voice actor. <laughs> 35 dogs go in. 37 dogs come out. Don't know how it worked, but they were adorable. The dogs of the sea where their bark can wake the ghosts of the deep and their bite is harder than the deaths of the stuff <laughs> in Davy Jones' locker. It's full of gym socks. <laughs> <laughs> I just checked. It was 35 dogs and two lobster. I looked on me map and I was looking for the treasure, but I also spilled ketchup on it. It turns out that the treasure was ketchup all along. It was actually just a map of the different locations of in and out Oh, Before we get started... <laughs> Uh, we've got some news and reviews. Yeah, the news is I'm a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've got a Patreon, as you have undoubtedly heard. Uh, for just $5 a month, you get access to sweet, sweet bonus content every other week with our bonus show, The Speculation Zone. You can also get a bunch of other super dope rewards by going to patreon.com slash cultpodcast. Awesome. Do we have any reviews this week? Uh, we do. Well, we did. The thing is, is 35 reviews go in. 30 reviews come, come out. out. <laughs> um, and the other five are doomed to spend eternity between the depths. This is really good, and it hurts my voice, and I'm mad that you <laughs> it don't It doesn't hurt. hurt my voice at all. She's so good at it. This one comes to us from F.P. Molina, which I can only... Uh, oh, she's in the Facebook group. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. That's where it makes sense. My dog gives them four paws down. I love these culty crazies so much that my dog falls asleep the moment he hears them sing because he knows I'm not going to pay any attention to him. Aww. That was a sad one. And when I don't know. the dogs go to sleep, we know it's the time of the quickening. <laughs> I wish we had figured this bit out earlier. I know, this isn't this in the episode is, at all. This is only for this. Hire me to be a pirate for things. This one uh, comes to us from Looney Luna 1331, and Ooh. they say, maybe do drink the Kool-Aid, but only if it's offered to you by these three. I found this podcast doing a search for Quiverful. Theirs is the only podcast to take on the craziness. I listened to that one episode, and I was immediately hooked. I love that Andrea, Mondo, and Paige feel like real people that I would want to hang out with. <laughs> we, we are real people. We sure are. Who said we're not? Well, I'm dead. That, that thing I sleep in isn't recharging me. It's just a bed. <laughs> Four podcasters go in. Only three come out. Well, te technically two come out, but one ha come out and have baby. <laughs> Beautiful, beautiful. I baby. love that you go from pirate to caveman in like five <laughs> seconds. Yeah. Me, cave Geico. <laughs> me, caveman. Me, not have education. Me, afraid of fire. <laughs> <laughs> I like elitist caveman. It's, it's caveman lawyer. It's um, Phil Hartman. Shouts out Phil Hartman. 
Uh, they he's, are hilarious, dead, but okay. adorable, and just the right amount of raunchy for all tastes. Oh, thank you. Oh, my God. You're welcome. Thank you, you audio perverts. Compliments uh, come in. <laughs> <laughs> Affirmation received, and as I look out over the depths, I think I am enough. <laughs> 20 compliments come in. One gets hurt by my brain. <laughs> Oh my god, I want daily pirate affirmations <laughs> so bad. You are worth it. <laughs> no matter what the sea deals you or what cards you pull from this deck of life, you must remember that the only things you need are to live, laugh, and love. <laughs> it turns out the real treasure was you. Oh, that was really good. The treasure chest is you unlocking your potential. <laughs> but also the other half of this golden amulet. <laughs> this is my favorite bit of all time. We're going to need a bigger podcast. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this one's going to be great. I'm going to go now because my throat is dying. Hello. Hello. And a yo-ho. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you calling a ho? <laughs> yo. For the purposes of this podcast, we define a cult as organizations that rally behind an entity or leader who espouse beliefs outside the norm. Organizations that require physical or monetary sacrifice as a condition of membership. Organizations in which the doctrines followed by the leaders are different than that of the followers. Organizations in which isolation is encouraged either by commune living or by a policy of disconnection from outside relationships. And organizations that actively recruit new members. All cults might have some or all of these traits, and as always... These are our opinions. Thank you for tuning into Cult Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley. And I'm Armando Torres. And with us we have... Andre Gazzetta! Yay! Yay! And it's my week! Yes! We are back for Flat Earth Part 2. Absolutely um, not. We're talking about the Flat Earth again. I'm so fucking furious. Uh, I have become fully indoctrinated into the Flat Earth I'm society. I'm going to make your head flat in like two seconds. <laughs> flat Earth, the squeakquel, sky sex. Sky sex. <laughs> Dome sex? Is that just dome? Getting dome. Getting mm. dome? Yeah. We mm. in the flat earth community call getting dome um, when you shoot a load into the, the space. Sky. And, and then it burns it hits. up in the atmosphere. Yes. <laughs> Thank you very much. You got to have some like jets for that. <laughs> it's science. Okay. <laughs> you got to have a really full pee ball to make that happen. <laughs> Well, it's easier because gravity doesn't exist. Oh, God. Ah, anyway. So frustratingly stupid. So we're here uh, to talk again to you about Flat Earth and all that's happening in Flat Earth Absolutely news. not. Today, we're talking about Nigerian Contra fraternities. Oh, what? shit. What, motherfuckers? What? What? What is that? I don't know what that means. We're going to get into it. I can't wait. It's going to be great. First, let me hit you with some fucking sources. Please. All right. Uh, source number numero uno, mm. uh, interventions, cults, a people in denial by Wole Soyinka. He's very important. Uh, he actually founded one of the groups that we're going to talk about. Mm. This is kind of an interesting one in which people found things with good intentions and then shit just gets out of control. Yeah. Um, so after that, we have refworld.org. That's actually the UN refugee network and they have 
three different articles that we looked at one on the IEA contrafraternity and then two on the Royal Order of Sea Dogs. We'll get into them in just a bit. <laughs> what? Is this a pirate group? Yes, sort of. Oh my God. Except it's, not. It's either a, a group of pirates or a rogue group of otters. Sea Dogs. It's in between the two, I would say. Um, then we've got the Institute of Current World Affairs or ICWA.org. Their article, Thriving Cults Are Harming Young People mm. by Onyie Ide, and I apologize in advance because I am trying my best to pronounce names, and I will probably fail. Feel free to tell me if I'm wrong. My favorite uh, article from World Affairs is when they discovered that Jupiter was fucking Mars. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I thought Jupiter was going steady with Saturn. Uh, Well, Saturn, you know, they just won't do it in Uranus, so. Uh, (laughs) Gotta go after someone more exciting. Well, Saturn does plan it. I mean, she's quite the tease because she really loves to moon everybody. <laughs> yeah, she's just, I don't know. It's hard to be sexually attracted to somebody who's a little bit more of a flatter. I know, you know this, what I mean? is, this is horrible to bring this up right now, but R. Kelly literally has a song like that and I, I, about the planets and fucking. Uh, then we've got legit.ng. NG is the country code for Nigeria. Oh, it seems okay. legit. It's, it's a magazine. Um, so it's the article cult groups in nigeria and their colors by george ibn egbu okay i believe is how it's pronounced then we've got an article called list of secret cults in nigeria by nadia nest not so secret anymore baby not so secret anymore and then we have the jamestown foundation article nigeria's cults and their role in the niger delta insurgency by bestman wellington we've also got the um, website for the National Association of Sea Dogs, nas-int.org. I assume sea dogs are like sea ponies, but rougher. You mean seahorses? <laughs> yeah. I was thinking more of like a manatee situation. Uh, and then last but not least, we've got Wole Soyenka Lectures.org, his message about the National Association of Sea Dogs. Um, we've also got neworleans.com or nola.com national association of sea dogs docs in mandeville for conference by nick raymond and then finally we have from tennessee university of tennessee uh from fraternal brotherhood to murderous cult the origins and mutation of southern nigeria's contra fraternities from 1953 onwards by ben bergman and we have uh professor roger Macken Juola's book Water Must Flow Uphill uh, that details a massacre at one of the universities. Jeez. Are oh my you god. Guys, fucking ready. Yeah, Every time you say the it. phrase sea dog, I just imagine your friend falling off a sea dew and you drive away and go, That's just a sea dog. <laughs> I told you this was gonna happen, sea dog. <laughs> okay. Ruff. So as I mentioned, this is kind of interesting because it's it's a scenario where people have invested their time and energy into creating a group for a good reason Mm -hmm. and then everyone else fucks their shit up um this is the story of the royal order of the sea dogs and then furthermore nigerian contra fraternities as a whole so contra fraternity as a term historically has been relegated to religious orders but that's not the case here the contra fraternities that we're looking at are a lot like our college fraternities 
Um, and those fraternities might have different names like Panhellenic sororities, um, Asian fraternities. Mm -hmm. There are a bunch of different types of organizations that fall under the umbrella of fraternity. Kappa C dogs. And then, and then you're, uh, just a group of dogs <laughs> that, that just wear wear real pretentious hoodies. Yeah. Um, now the word fraternity comes from the Latin root for the name brother, and it's a word that's meant to symbolize the brotherhood of people united for common goals and term, drinking a lot. I was gonna say nice. the term fraternity definitely comes. <laughs> you said the word fraternity comes from, and I was like, it sure does. <laughs> I mean, not always. Sometimes you have to spend more time on it because there are actually women's fraternities as well. Hell yeah. Some of the organizations that are most famous in the Panhellenic sorority system were actually incorporated as women's fraternities because sorority was not a common term when they originated. My chapter was a women's fraternity. Hmm. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Uh, Although the words fraternity and sorority are synonymous with American universities, there are similar types of organizations all over the world. Most are referred to as clubs, societies, or even secret societies, sometimes also known as syndicates or organizations. These feed our human desires for both companionship and community as well as tradition. They will almost always have very, very specific traditions within each chapter. Now, you're probably like, Paige, why would you call fraternities cults except for all the obvious reasons? Yeah. (laughs) Now, what I'm going to say today is different than everything that's ever been yelled at the son of a senator while performing a cake stand. So these are fraternities that start out like our fraternities, and then they go way off the reservation. So to start out, we need to first and foremost cover the most famous contra fraternity and its founder, Wole Soyinka. Akinwande Oluwole Babatunde Soyinka was born into a Yoruba family in Abeokuta. In 1952, he attended the elite University College in Ibadan, which was an offshoot of the University of London at the time. He then subsequently attended the University of Leeds in England, and it's between these two schools that our story begins. While attending University College in 1952, Wole Soyinka and a group of six of his friends formed what is now known as the Pirate Contra Fraternity, or under its formal name, the Universal Order of Sea Dogs, Hmm. the Royal Order of Sea Dogs. He started this fraternity with good intentions. This university was literally brand new. It was founded in 1948, and this was 1952. Yeah. So they only had like four years to be an official university at the time. And previously, only super wealthy students had ever been able to attend universities at all, And most of the time it was abroad. A lot of times people would be sent away to fraternities. But this new school was now seeing an influx of students from farming families. And part of this is due to colonialism. Most of the European countries that held sway over parts of Africa, in particular for Nigeria, it was Great Britain. Most of them had been involved in both world wars. Hmm. At least one for sure. And that had caused them to pull resources and influence out of the countries that they previously controlled as colonies. This led to a lot of those countries seeking their independence. India, most notably, kind of in this 50 to 60 year period between 
the beginning of the 20th century and this time right after the wars. Um, Nigeria was no different, except at this time they were still technically under British rule, but very loosely. And because the Brits had pulled out, they were free to use a lot of their own resources, which meant that they had slightly more economic prosperity than they had when they were completely controlled by the British. Yeah, so when you, you use the pullout method, it does it leave is you with more resources. Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. for sure. Yeah. But essentially, this meant that people who would not have normally had a chance at higher education, people from more farming villages and tribes, now had a chance to attend this university that had been built closer to them because they couldn't travel abroad, but they could go to university. Mm -hmm. So it had been a little bit difficult on campus because most of the kids attending the university were from wealthy families and the students that were not rich were kind of sectioned off. Yeah. They were kind of forming their own cliques and societies. So Wole and his other six friends, now called the Magnificent Seven within the lore of this fraternity, began forming their group. Their names were Wole Soyinka, as we've covered, Ralph Opara, plus Olehe, Ekipari Aig Imohuede, Nathaniel Oye Lola, Olum Uyiwa Awe, and Sylvanas U Egbuche. And again, very sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they formed the National Association of Sea Dogs, and it was formed in part to combat these societal situations. They were known as, yes. I was just going to say that the Magnificent Seven sounds like a band of wandering magicians. It does indeed. Isn't that also something with the clan? Is the Magnificent Six? Uh, the Immortal Six. The Immortal Six. Yeah. Okay. It's a, it's a, every single fraternity since the history of time has a lore, like a, yeah. I mean, there's a real story of like a bunch of dudes being like, we should fucking party. And then there's like the lore story about how the uh, founding brothers came together. We have the founding six yeah. in ours and it's because they were tired of not having the same opportunities as men. So all six of them wore a specific symbol and marched into class to declare that they were a fraternity as well. Damn. Nice. Six. Progressive as fuck. Yeah. That's pretty so, like, dope, actually. Every every fraternity has something like that. Yes. And then also, like, you know, the official stance about how you're the one true fraternity that actually discovered beer pong <laughs> back in the day. So, yeah. I Important it's just, issues. It's, I mean, the, it's, the reason the clan is so, like, similar is because, it again, it also was a fraternity at first. Right. And, and this is, I mean, like I said, fraternities were organizations like that span every nation color and creed it's everybody yeah. and in this case the national association of sea dogs went by the pirates confraternity colloquially so if you couldn't remember national association of sea dogs pirates but pirates hmm. with a y yo you want to get some booty hey, hey. they're pirates hey. And they went on to become literally the only organization of their kind on Nigerian campuses for the next 20 or so years. Wow. Oh, that's crazy. Did they call yeah. themselves a fraternity? Like, were they, they aware did. of what fraternities were? Yes. And huh. they borrow some things from Americanized or Europeanized fraternities. Interesting. And that does hmm. change as we go, but... And is this is generally a fraternity of working class people? 
it is so membership into the fraternity was open to anyone who could prove that they were quote bright academically regardless of their tribe or religion so you got to get a you got to yeah. get a good gpa and you also have to sink this shot from the back of the room in beer pong <laughs> guess shot Shoo! And that was basically unheard of at the time. Yeah. No one had sunk that shot. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Nobody had. No, There were no other organizations like this on these campuses at the time. Their mission statement was to uphold human dignity and maintaining a just and progressive society shorn of discriminatory and unmeritorious considerations. That might be the best mission statement of any fraternity I've ever heard. Yeah, it sounds real good on paper. Believe it or not, most fraternities and sororities actually have pretty damn good mission statements. It's more just depending on the chapter you encounter, how much they're living that out. Um, Now, presently, present day, the fraternity still exists, and it's located in all of Nigeria and all of the southern states in um, some of those campuses, although it's not very much university-based anymore. We'll get to that in a bit. Uh, it's also got branches in other countries, including the UK, Ireland, South Africa, the Netherlands, Japan, Australia, Canada, and of course, the United States. So the fraternity not only exists all over the world, but it's also seen currently as a political opponent wow. to some of the varying governmental regimes in Nigeria. So it's been seen both as positive and negative over time, hmm. depending on who's in power. Um, to date, roughly 25,000 people have belonged to the organization, either currently or in the past. So it's a lot of people. Um, They have many, many symbols, and some of them are borrowed from both history, but also other fraternities. Their most prominent symbol are the skull and bones. Damn, real piratey. Very piratey, but also reminiscent of one of the most famous fraternities of all time, or social clubs, technically. Um, And that's the Skull and Bones Society here in the United States. Damn. I've never heard of that. I will be covering on a Speculation Zone episode. (gasps) Yay! Because it it is interesting as fuck, but it's definitely more conspiracy theory than cult, necessarily, if that makes sense. Okay. So we'll be going over Skull and Bones over on Patreon soon. Um, Now, members are referred to as, quote, sea dogs and sailors, but sailors with a Y? Now, Wole continued to ascribe to these beliefs long after college. He was eventually able to study abroad in Leeds, as I mentioned, and he came back to Nigeria with even stronger beliefs in equality for his people. He also became a revered and successful playwright both in Nigeria and the UK and created plays for radio. He took an active role in Nigeria's political history, and their struggle for full independence from Great Britain. In 1965, he was so passionate about the way that he thought his country should be governed that he seized control of the Western Nigeria Broadcasting Service studio and broadcast a demand for the cancellation of the Western Nigeria regional elections because he didn't believe they would be held fairly. Whoa. In 1967, during the Nigerian Civil War, he was arrested by the government of General Yakubu Gawan, and he was put in solitary confinement for two years. Oh, my God. 
after he was released, he still didn't stay quiet about his country and its political ills. Many of the writings that he completed at the time centered around a common idea, the oppressive boot and the irrelevance of the color of the foot that wears it. Wow. Basically saying oppression comes in all different shapes yeah. and sizes and you have to fight it no matter what. And in 1986, he earned the Nobel Peace Prize for Literature. Jeez. Is he, what, is there anything that he wrote that I might know about? Um, I was not super familiar. They're mostly plays. Okay. But they, the few things that I did read for this were fantastic. So I okay. highly recommend looking into his books and plays and everything because he's extremely talented and not as well known here in the States, even though he has earned a Nobel Peace Prize or That's a amazing. Nobel Prize for Literature. Um, during the regime of General Sani Abaka, which came right after he won his Nobel Peace Prize, he escaped from Nigeria on a motorcycle via the National Democratic Coalition. That's the coolest way to escape anything. Hell yeah. But a death sentence was declared in absentia, meaning that if he ever set foot back in the country, he was to be executed on the spot. Oh my God. Jesus. That's the worst way to execute somebody. For real. Once civilian rule was restored to Nigeria in 1999, he returned to the country. That's the best way to return to a country. That's true. Uh, he then became a, pro a professor of comparative literature at their top universities and continued to fight injustice literally until present day at the age of 86. He is so cool that we could have a literal series just on his life. And I implore you to read his plays and other writings and do a little extra homework because he is fascinating what's his name again wole soyinka okay soyinka would later say in an interview that the pirates wanted to differentiate themselves from the quote-unquote stodgy establishment and pretentious students at their new educational institution they wanted to differ from a culture of hypocritical and affluent middle class and different from alienated colonial aristocrats Ooh. Yeah, their organization adopted the motto against all conventions. I can tell that these kids get good grades because their vocab points are It's off hard the for charts. me to read. Yeah, it's crazy. I was crazy. actually uh, reading about this group and that's actually a falsehood. It was against all convections and they didn't believe <laughs> They didn't in, like ovens. Yeah. <laughs> they only used microwaves. So, they would also adopt names within the fraternity such as Cap and Blood and Long John Silver. <laughs> Is that the guy that had a big duke? I mean, maybe. I don't, it doesn't say who had what name. Um, when some of their fellow students protested a proposal to build a railroad across the road leading to campus, fearing that easier transportation would make the university less exclusive, the pirates actually fought against it. So basically, the rich students at the school were opposing making it easier to attend the university because part of the reason most people couldn't attend is because they physically couldn't get there yeah there was like one road in and out um so the pirates protested and helped get the railroad built that's dope because they were like no anyone should have the chance to come here if they are able to come here and if they can meet the academic standard that's yeah. cool yeah Similar to our fraternities and sorority, they proved to be pretty popular among students, and that continued even after the original members had moved on and left 
the university either for graduating or studying abroad were they like cheerleaders or were they like on the football team like why were they so popular well it's hard not to like a person who goes by sea dogs sea dogs yeah it just sounds fucking cool. It does f- sound pretty cool. Yeah. And membership was open to any promising male student. Unfortunately, it was okay. not gender inclusive at the time. Also, real quick, just another thing that I actually just thought of, like, bits aside. It seems like they were probably super popular because they had literally everyone's backs. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like uh, it was less like, oh, their parents are fucking loaded. And I went to their house one time and their dad is a samurai sword and I tried to use it. Uh, but it turns out that they're really sharp and I accidentally cut my penis off. No, it's not like that type of cool. What? You guys never actually cut your penis? No. I don't. Okay. Don't go to Bradley's house because his dad <laughs> owns too many swords. Um, no. Bits aside, I don't think it was like, yeah, they're like cool to hang out with. I think it was literally like. They were fighting for yeah. justice. And everyone was yeah. like, fucking sea dogs, man. Got my back. Yep. And they just fucking loved them for it. So they, like I said, were open to any promising male student, uh, regardless of tribe or race, but their selection process was very, very stringent, and most applicants were denied. You would be denied if you had ever gone to Bradley's dad's house. (laughs) And again, for almost 20 years, they were the only game in town. Hmm. Now, at this point... I should probably talk a little bit on acceptance to fraternities and sororities and kind of how that happens. I can't for sure say what their process was because it was very, very secretive, but most fraternities and sororities have a very similar selection process in which candidates are presented and then the body votes and you have to get a certain amount of votes to be accepted oh Hmm. interesting do you have like a limited number of spots every year too okay yeah um you have a limited amount of spots and depending on there are certain things that will help your chances and other things that will hurt your chances and so for some of the things that help your chances that also kind of reduces your number of spots that you have available so in american fraternities and sororities and i don't think this is the case here but we have something called legacy so that means if you are a direct descendant of a fraternal member or a sibling, that means that they want to try and keep the secrets of that organization safe. So you are more likely to be granted acceptance if you apply. Yeah, just like if you're in the house of Gryffindor, like they want to keep the family together. So you'll yeah. probably also be a Gryffindor. Exactly. Yeah. There's um, also another clause that most fraternities have, which is that if you can butt chug a liter of beer, you have to automatically be let in. That will kill you. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's real bad. Only awesome, the strong dude. survive, Only baby. The strong survive. Yeah, dude. Um, That's what Bradley's dad taught me. Additionally, if you are a niece or grandniece, or let's say it skipped a generation, your mom didn't go to college, but your grandmother was in the sorority, you're what's called a peg leg. But you're you're a legacy, but you don't get the same amount of. Wait, this is American fraternities, this right? This is American okay. fraternities. You can see how I can, can get confused with the group literally called, <laughs> called the, the pirates. pirates. Things called a peg leg. Um, you don't get the same level of acceptance immediately as okay. as a true legacy. So like, so you get like consideration, but you have to prove yourself. You still, yeah, you you get pushed to a point. If there's no legacies, you will likely be granted most legacy permissions. And depending on where you're going to school will depend on where there, how many legacies there are. So in the South, sometimes chapters 
only have legacies. Yeah. Sometimes they have more legacies than they, they can even take in. When I was in California, it was pretty rare that we would get a legacy. We would get maybe one a year, if that. And when I went through and then my sister came through two years later, she was considered a legacy and she was basically pretty much in at that point. Yeah. 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 Um, but essentially, the way we do it is you have usually multiple events where you like meet everybody you usually meet somewhere between five and seven people at and each event between half to one full liter of beer no you weren't allowed to well we weren't allowed to drink at any the guys do you don't drink it's just butt chugging, so it's not <laughs> I mean, you, like this is more they're kind of like job interviews it's a lot like speed dating oh really yes I always, th yeah, I hate fraternities. I've been to one function once and they were like, it's going to be a frat party. And I was like, dude, sounds awesome. Motherfuckers had a cheese plate, like charcuterie out. Everyone was wearing, party did you go to? everyone was wearing, it was at USC. Oh, everyone that's was wearing why. fucking button up shirts. And I was like, listen here, you little fuckers. Armando's got weed. And they were like, I'm older than you. And uh, you are very unprofessional. I'm going to have to ask you to leave. Yeah. Cause it's a USC dude. <laughs> Anyway, uh, it's usually multiple events that are speed dating style where you'll meet multiple members and then those members then report back to everybody else. So when you come up for application, the people that met you are like, she seemed cool or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then everyone basically votes based on what those people said about you. Oh, okay. And in some cases, the people that met you will disagree with each other. And depending on your group mm -hmm. that may or may not like it depends on who the group trusts more interesting like at one point i got paired in a group with people where like five of us agreed and one girl didn't agree but she was the one that got to present mm. so she basically was like i didn't like this person and we basically were she's like i don't think she fits the right look and everything that we're going for and i was like bullshit you hated her because she was fat and she's hilarious and we love her and that girl got in <laughs> So yeah. that's awesome. It all did like you could argue with people. And that happens a lot where they're like, I liked her. I didn't because you only have a certain amount of spots. Yeah. Did you? I've never like I went to art school. Yeah. So like we didn't have enough people to have. Right. right. Sororities. We had this other thing called majors where right. just like they would form like gangs in the hallway. Like there'd be like the printmakers and they were all dressed the same. And like the sculptors It was yeah. very weird. Uh -huh. Not like actual gangs, but right. like it was very clicky. Um, but like. Did you like being in a sorority? I loved it. Every second of it. I I so absolutely loved it. constant community of people that are supporting you through one of the most stressful times in your life. I mean, even the people you disagreed with, like, yeah. you felt comfortable and safe. Because like, they're, your, they're your sisters. Well, here's the thing. I mean, it's, brothers, it's just like a real family. You disagree sometimes. Yeah. And, and, some, and there's, I mean, there's like a hundred people in the sorority. Mm -hmm. You're not going to be best friends with everybody. But you'll find people that you're super good friends with. And then you keep in, you know, you, th that kind of becomes your crew. That's like, cool. In a, in a situation where you have no one and you know no one, it is a, a safe way to be like, hey, I've kind of, like, these people have common interests. They're similar to me. And it's a little bit easier to make that transition from feeling like one small person in a giant pool to, okay, life can be normal i have friends hurdle one yeah for college 
it's what's very funny to me is that it is very like familiar like it's very or uh familial i yeah. mean like it's like a family mm-hmm. but i would be fucking blown away if any actual family did the way like it's, there's a baby yeah. born and everyone groups together and they're like okay like i hung out with this baby, we're gonna keep this baby. <laughs> he has nothing to talk about yeah he's super fucking boring he i tried to get him to make a shot in beer pong he tried to eat the ball and he can butt chug <laughs> zero beer no beer i say we leave him here honestly yeah it's that's it'd be crazy well and i know our practice our our chapter was different too yeah. like every chapter is a little bit different but we I kind of pride our chapter on being super diverse. That's cool. And whenever we were voting on people, definitely being like, I could see myself hanging out with this person. Not necessarily going for a specific look or anything, but literally I could see myself hanging out with this person. Or a really common one was, I've never met anybody like this and it's super interesting. Okay. was another really common one where it's like, I've never seen that. Let's bring her in. Like, why not? You know? Um, And so you ended up with kind of, a bunch of different people that all have this one thing in common. That's cool. Yeah. My, it's, it's pretty sweet. Look, I'm not a fan of this baby, but this guy I know, Bradley, his dad, so many samurai swords. <laughs> we could use one to get rid of the baby. And get this, he's never been sued before. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, I just have a really tough... I did go to one school where we had, like, my first college had them, mm-hmm. and they, there was Pledge Week, and my mom's like, do you want to do this? And I was just like, no. Pledge like, Week is terrible for yeah, everyone involved. Not it just, just the people joining, but also the sororities themselves. The concept of being judged by a group of women that I don't actually know mm-hmm. gave me so much anxiety. I was oh, just like, yeah. I don't want to be a part of this. Well, and, and here's what's kind of funny that you don't know until you're kind of on the other side of it. They feel judged just like you. Oh, because they're competing with the other sororities, because if you don't keep enough people in, you fail. You can no longer be on campus. You have to maintain a certain quota that sounds to so, be considered sounds an actual society. So stressful and upsetting that I would never. I already look down on people who go to college, and uh, yeah, I don't know that that's the best way of thinking. I'm just saying. Uh, I look down on people that go to college for the wrong reasons. I should say that. Yeah, and I maybe look down on too isn't the right way. I pity people. I pity the fool that go to college. <laughs> is what I'm saying. Um, hi, Mr. Torres, but you can call me Mr. T. Uh, <laughs> but like, I, I already don't like, I, I know people, I know kids who are like in my family, like Ooh. that are uh, graduating from high school and they're like, yeah, I'm going to go to college. And I'm like, well, what do you want to do? And they're like, what do you mean? And I was like, what do you want to, to do? do. <laughs> and they're like, I, I, I don't know. I was just going to go like figure it out. And I'm just like, you fucking idiot. But so, like, there's kids like that, and then I know kids like that who also, like, join fraternity, and it's like, you're adding, like, a barrel of stress to an already situation that's going to fuck you over a lot. I mean, most of the time, it's fun. Literally, there's only a handful of times that it's super stressful, but, and recruitment, fall formal recruitment is what it's officially called, as opposed to pledge week, Um, because you're competing with other houses to try and meet, you know, to try and keep your, you know chapter alive because if you don't take enough people eventually you die out yeah so you're trying to make it seem like a super fun place to be and it is but it's really hard to communicate that to somebody immediately Mm. and so a lot of like you have the stress of like i need to make sure that they think we're fun and connect with them and then they have this nervousness of like what if they don't pick me and what they don't realize is like everyone kind of wants to pick you 
the key is that they want to make sure that they're not going to hate you later. Yeah. So they're just trying to find people that they can get along with. There's also like, I know it's not real, real, but like the hazing, like the fraternity hazing I was never stuff, hazed. I know that it's, it's different, but, yeah. uh, I just like, if any, I don't know. I'm just the kind of person where like, if anyone was like, you gotta strip down to your underwear, we're going to paint something on you. I'm like, hey, you touch me. I will kill you. Yeah. I, like, and that's, I have a friend <laughs> with many a samurai sword. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was never hazed. Most of the girls I know were never hazed. Yeah. In, even in other chapters. it As far as sororities, it was not common at all by the yeah. time I was I, I know that it's only common in movies. I know that yeah. it's not the way that it is anymore. Well, and in some frats, it's still... Like, it is still a problem. It's just not nearly as common as kind of people make it out yeah, to Yeah, it's not every single frat. Yeah, not, not remotely. Mm-hmm. Um. But this is basically what I'm referring to with this group where it's like they're all voting on who can get in and they're taking in basically just enough people to stay alive. Okay. And that's how they stay around for about 20 years. But just as Nigeria went through changes during the time after Wole Soyinka left school, the school went through those changes too. In the late 1960s, campuses were embroiled in the Nigerian Civil War, much like our Civil War took place across campuses too. And being as outspoken and political as the pirates were was not always met with kindness, but this also led to an increased group of people that wanted to join. So they're kind of on the outs for being that outspoken, but the people that agree with them definitely want in. Hmm. So it creates kind of this influx of people. And that lasted all the way into the early 70s, so 20 years um, from the time that they started to the early 70s. And in 1972, a student named Bolaji Karu and several others were allegedly expelled from the pirates for failing to meet their academic standards. Now, in reaction to that, in reaction to basically feeling like they were in danger from some of the political movements on campus... Um, the pirates registered themselves under the name the National Association of Sea Dogs as an almost like a like a business or an organization, not just a fraternity. Yeah. And they tr- started pulling the fraternity out of universities to become basically a national organization as opposed to a campus organization. Okay. Still, it's still a fraternity, just not associated with the schools anymore. Right, which is a little bit similar to the way that fraternities and sororities function here is most sororities and fraternities are nonprofit organizations mm-hmm. um, because they are largely charities. Hmm. So it's like they provide fun stuff for you to do on campus, but a lot of the activities you're doing together are also raising money for whatever your specific charity is. Nice. So that's typically how they work, but that means that each fraternity and sorority is usually like a 501c. Nice. Right. So you can put that wet t-shirt contest money to good use feeding starving children. You're, You're making a joke, but that is that is kind of accurate. I want to start a wet t-shirt con- contest that uh, gets uh, clean water in Flint, Michigan. I mean, that seems like a waste of water, but I'm I'm kind That's of fair. I'm for it. Whatever gets water clean. I want to come up with the most ironic uh, charity ever. Just like a wet uh, t-shirt contest for water conservation. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I want. <laughs> 
Well, Balaji Karu didn't take too kindly to the fact that he had been expelled from the fraternity and that the fraternity was leaving camp- campus. So he went on to found the Buccaneers Contra Fraternity, <laughs> also called the National Association of Sea Lords, mostly copying the structure, symbols, and ceremonies of the sea dogs. Yeah. Why was he expelled exactly? Academics. Oh, he, he that's it? Yeah, he couldn't meet the grade standards. Bro, you got to study. That that's a very common reason what for because current fraternities and sororities you have to maintain a grade average also. What what's your what was yours your grade average that you had to maintain? Three point one. Oh, that's not that bad. It's not bad. Um, and it but it's overall and you could also petition and be like, if your grades were bad one quarter, you could be like, hey, can you provide me with a tutor? I can do it next quarter, and then the chapter would provide you with a tutor hmm. a lot of the time. So interesting. Yeah, or. If you couldn't meet and they had to expel you, they would typically give you options of like, hey, if you're being kicked out of school or the chapter, you can either just leave or you can quote unquote go alumni where it's like you graduated even though you didn't. So you can still come to certain events. You just can't vote is Mm. the biggest thing. Yeah. Because you still know everything. So they don't want you with your knowledge just out in the world basically. They want to be nice to you. I mean, how important are those secrets, though? They've been, I mean, in in the case of my chapter, they've been secret for over 100 years. Wow. And and people have managed to not really know what they are, which That's is crazy. pretty cool. What are they? Not telling you. <sighs> fucking Earth is flat. I knew it. Half of them are in Latin anyway. You wouldn't fucking know. Uh, what do you mean? I'm Latino. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> that mean, That's Latin for Latino. You can't so okay. So they have they have a bunch of secrets. Is every fraternity has different secrets? Yeah. Everyone's different. I know you there's can't. some there's some bleed over. Like Yeah. Everyone and because no one ever joins more than one, most of the time you don't know if you have the same as somebody else. Um Do you have to sign something? That's like I promise like an NDA? Or is it just kind of you, like you having vows. the secret is like the fun part or like I part mean, of it's, the fun? I mean, it's it's a little of column A, a little of column B. Gotcha. Like part of your initiation ceremony is basically you saying, I keep these secrets. That won't hold up in a court of law. It doesn't. Um, they, they couldn't sue you for telling. True. But yeah. it's basically this thing of like, hey, this is cool because it's us and we're the only ones who know it. And it's been that way for a hundred years. You don't want to fuck that up, do could, you? Could they kick you out if you told? 100%. Okay. Okay. Hold but, on. Give yeah. me one quick sec. Okay, and we're back. Thanks, Paige, for uh, I didn't off tell mic. You she shit. told us. <laughs> I didn't told tell us the you deep shit. secrets. Um, I didn't tell you shit. She broke her fucking vow. She, the first sentence she said was, uh, hey, guys, you're never going to believe it, but the secret is that... I and that's when I met Barack Obama. Obama. <laughs> I didn't tell you shit. Whatever you say, lizards rule the government. <laughs> I mean, that's not it at all, but okay. <laughs> um, now, the once you create one copycat fraternity, then anyone can. Yeah. Right? Yes. Copy paste, baby. Exactly. So a lot of the students that hadn't been able to get into the pirates because they didn't have the grades started creating their own groups. We have a 2.6 GPA. Well, it also seemed like it could have been the grades and the fact that they were, as people wanted to be a part of them, they got more and more exclusive. Mm-hmm. Just because, you know, there's less spots. So. Yeah. 
uh i feel like some people were like the grades and the other people were like fuck you and i'll stop my own sea dogs yeah well and it's literally like a lot of people have said that we're the grass dogs we have type advantage now jeez that because they were requiring a certain grade average they were themselves elitist i think that's leafy on by the way boo boo and because they were quote-unquote elitist they were hypocrites because they were fighting elitism roundabout anyway so they started starting other fraternities and people who'd been expelled from the sea dogs for not meeting grades also started their own groups so uh so yinka (laughs) so yinka once actually said in an interview that some people thought it was because of the hypocritical aspect but a lot of people became accustomed to exerting power in a rigidly hierarchical confraternity and they were unwilling to give that power up yeah i mean that's a thing that we've seen time and time again if you're uh, a people and again no blanket statements i'm not trying to say this is 100 percent true i'm just saying that like in the past if you are a people that has been completely like um lorded over in aspects of your life and then you have that power you wield that shit like a samurai sword in your friend bradley's house mm-hmm. i'm never giving this bit up <laughs> absolute power corrupts baby Absolutely. yeah yeah you know and it doesn't samurai steel and it still rusts honey yeah, it's no not it's, stainless it's high carbon anyway uh but basically he's making the argument that people who were familiar with the fraternity or had wanted to be in one had heard about them were kind of addicted to that structure and that feeling and i i get it because like having joined a sorority if i had suddenly been kicked out i'd been such a bummer you know yeah like like i i would have i i did at one point go fully alumni because i transferred schools but i didn't want to leave my chapter yeah because each chapter is different anyway so like being in is so much fun yeah that it would be a bummer to be out yeah for sure i mean it's it's just like with any group like Mm -hmm. any family anything Anything. it's like you get kicked out it really hurts because that's your tribe yeah that's those are your people yeah you know that's who you care about i mean like one of my sorority sisters used to be on this podcast another one wrote a couple of our episodes like they're still around and it's been 10 years yeah you guys are super cool they're all super hella cool they're all cool yep can't believe they're holding the secret that yeah well and ashley both ashley and myself were uh, at different points because she's a couple years older than me um we were keepers of the ritual so like hardcore that's the ritual you were telling me about right i didn't tell you shit yeah so the ritual i don't know if you remember or not but the ritual is when uh so what you do i hope it's just friendship bracelets i hope that's it (laughs) like we braid each other's hair that's the ritual it is now (laughs) okay so as the new groups formed they started fighting each other and a lot of the time, this was limited to fist fights. Whoa, damn. What? That is not. I thought you meant it was going to be like, ooh, it was limited to arguments. No. Damn. If fist the, fights. If the lowest form of the fights are fist fights, what happens? I'll get to it. So, <sighs> multiple groups formed. So, the Supreme IEA fraternity, also known as the National Association of Air Lords, uh, formed in 1975 in the 1980s, contra fraternities spread across 
all the universities in the country for the most part. There was the neo-black movement of Africa, also called the Black Axe Contrafraternity. They'll come Jesus. into they'll be important in a little bit. Uh, they emerged from the University of Benin in Edo State. In nineteen eighty-three at the University of Calabar, the Eternal Fraternal Order of the Legion Consortium also known as the Clan Contra Fraternity, spelled with a K. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. And the Supreme Vikings Contra Fraternity, also known as the Adventurers, also formed. Are these... Vikings are good role models to have. Also, really quick, did you say that one of the copycats of the Sea Dogs were called Air Buds? Uh, the Air Lords. The oh. National Association of Air Lords. I want them to be air buds. That would be way funnier. Be, it'd be an all dog fraternity. <laughs> yeah, that's the kind of fraternity I want to be in. <laughs> so this the time. The secrets are woofity woof woof woof. Bark. Uh, that's secret. Okay. You're kicked out. Oh, damn. So in this time in the mid 80s, the role of these groups started to change drastically as they spread. At this point, Ibrahim Babanagita, uh, basically took over Nigeria with a coup. He was one of the ones who threatened uh, Wole Soyinka with death. So that created a large degree of political tension. In the 1980s, the military began to see these contra-fraternities as a way to check on student unions and university staff. Because the thing about organizations like this is people graduate. This is the same thing with sororities and fraternities. People graduate and you have a common thread. So the people that are in college now could then come to people who'd been in college and been in their chapter, even though they didn't know them, be, I was also in this chapter. You and I have something in common. Please help me or give me information or give me a job, ah. etc. So like there is like an email listserv of other people from my sorority all over the country that I could email into and be like, hey, I'm so-and-so. I was this chapter this year. I'm in this area. I'm looking for a job. Does anyone have anything in this type of field? Okay. And then they'll be like, I do. Send your resume. So it's meant to be like a networking organization. 100%. Essentially. Yeah. And these are no different. The only difference is now some of these people are in the military and now they're reaching back down to these college groups to then mobilize them on university campuses mm. as an arm of the military. Oh, no. Yes. This is very bad. Yes. So because the university staff were some of the only people that were opposing the coup because they're on the forefront of knowledge, this is kind of the case with any coup, um, they started using these contra-fraternities to basically attack and keep them in check they were provided with payment and weapons to use against student activists but those weapons more often were used in inter-contrafraternity fights holy shit yeah this is like gangs yes like guns and stuff mm-hmm oh my god so uh a sociologist named Amika Akuti, who's done a lot of study on the contra-fraternities, also said that some of the vice chancellors of universities actually used to contract contra-fraternities to protect them on campus or to attack students that they deemed, quote-unquote, troublesome or outspoken. Damn. Oh, my God. So they become, like, 
They become This is the exact opposite of what they were going yes, for. Yes, and they're essentially mercenaries now. And the original, the pirates, the sea dogs, are no longer on campus, probably because they saw this coming. Yeah. But everything born from them becomes this. So they also start at this point. It's like the dark side. Yeah, and they start integrating a new tradition of carrying out traditional Vodun practices before launching any battle or activity. Oh my god. So they're bringing the occult in? Yes. Holy shit. Yeah, it's sacrifices. Not, I mean it's it's, it's not, not necessarily it's naturism. The occult. Yeah. Yeah, it's similar to voodoo. It's it's a, a traditional Yoruba okay. religion. So this is also just like part of their personal religious practices. Yes. It's like more like ancestor worship than it is anything ancestral. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. They're, they're not making like voodoo dolls or anything. Well, okay. Unless they are. They they kind of are, and they're doing sacrifices and stuff. But that's also just part of the religion. Yeah. But they're killing people. Yeah, hardcore. Um, at this point in 1984, um, the heads of the Sea Dogs declared that they were officially not to operate on any university campuses. Basically, like, they're pulling out completely. Absolutely no association with any campus organization. This is the second time the pullout method has worked in this episode. Kind of. Thank you. And in the early 1990s, these activities, the gang and mob activities, expanded dramatically across the Niger Delta as they engaged in struggles for supremacy, because at this point, they're basically gangs. The family contrafraternity, also known as the Campus Mafia or the Mafia, <laughs> modeled itself after the Italian Mafia. Oh. Why? Yeah, okay. I was confused because I thought they modeled themselves after the band from the Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> and they basically, once they arrived on campus, most of them were expelled um, yeah. for yeah. cheating and quote unquote cultism, which is where we see the word cult start to be applied to these groups. So now there's posters of like, do not join the cults, do not engage in cultism. It's dangerous because they're now like the universities are now calling them cults. Wow. Oh, wow. And the country of Nigeria is now calling them cults. Um, they, also, there was kind of a split between the fraternities that would practice the Vodun rituals and the ones that wouldn't. They would kind of like throw shade on them for quote unquote practicing voodoo, even though I'm like it's a it's a you know religion in the area, so it's yeah. not that weird. <laughs> but um, so the university started to try and get rid of these groups and to try and remove them from campuses. And here's the thing. So whenever fraternities move off campus, it's not good. Like even with regular fraternities, because the bonus of being close to campus and being near where other people can see what's going on is there's some oversight. Yeah. So you know, you're not going to haze people if you live right next door to people that could totally tattle on you. Narts. Exactly. So, like, there was a frat, there was an off-campus frat when I was in school, and it was basically like, don't go there, because oh. no one can protect you at that house. That's scary. Gross, 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 gross. Yeah, well, because it's like, girls would go and get, like, date raped or something like that or just you know groped or whatever and it's like well yeah because there's not a bunch of other people around to protect you because that's kind of the thing of if you are attending 
parties and things like that, part of the good thing about being in a sorority is you have safety in numbers and there are other people there to help you. There's people looking at like, I mean, usually like you were saying, most of the time people yeah. wear the same shit so you can spot them. Oh, no, that's only at like, you know, events. events. But you yeah. know who your sisters are. Yeah, it's a support system. It's there all the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My, when my friends and I would go out dancing, it's like, obviously I'm not going to go out dancing alone. Like, I'm going to yeah. go with a bunch of my girlfriends that are checking in on me to make sure this creep is, Yeah, you know, and whatever. it's basically the same thing. And the other, the flip side of it is, too, fraternities know that having a bad image hurts their ability to recruit other dudes. So they mm. also don't want things to go bad. So if you are at like an actual sanctioned event, you're relatively safe, you know, as far as uh, like bad things can still happen to everybody. They can happen anywhere. But yeah. like you've got your sisters with you who are keeping an eye on you. You've got the sorority, you know, hierarchy who is keeping an eye on people as well. You've also got the fraternity and their hierarchy who, if you're too messy in public, they'll pull you aside and be like, if you're done. It's time for you to go home. So basically off campus makes things worse because things are allowed to fester without oversight. And in the late 1990s, girls get into the mix where female contrafraternities start to form. Uh, these included fraternities like the Black Brazier or Bra Bra or the Vi Queens or the Daughters of Jezebel. And then there's one called Damsel. Damn. These are all really intense. They're no. really and then the fucking last great one names. Like Damsel. Not just damn. Like Z-U-L? No, no, no. It's spelled like damsel. So they would supply spies for some of the male contra fraternities. They would usually partner up with one of the male groups and either supply spies or occasionally they would act as prostitution syndicates. Ooh. Let's remember, these people are still children. I mean, not all they're, of them, but yes. They're, but kind they're of, like 18 and up. But that's children. Like, yes. until you turn 20. Be two. careful. No. You wanted to say 25. Until you turn 22, you're considered a child. Well, I will say that, like, in my own personal experience, I think that in some ways college... It shapes you into an adult. It shapes you into an adult, but also, like, un college is this magical land where you have, like, free time and, like, homework and you have oversight in your life and you're kind of blossoming into adulthood but there are all these like kind of magical things that aren't in the real world right but this to me is just bananas like imagine on your college campus people have guns and are fighting each other mm -hmm. and then women from secret organizations are prostituting themselves to get information for this imaginary secret or like what this is crazy i get it you went to usc <laughs> now this culminated in an incident that happened on the obafeme awolowo university in Lai Lai in Osun State. So we know mostly about what happened during this massacre mm -hmm. because one of the professors that was there wrote a book about it after the fact. Okay. So most of this next section is going to come from his account, and that's Professor Macanjula. So he writes that the actual massacre occurred 
he believes in response to an event that happened in March. So March 7th, 1999, a group of black axe members held a meeting in town. And after the meeting, they drove back to campus. But on the main road leading into the campus, they were overtaken by some students in another car. And for some reason, they hated this and they started to chase the students. What? The students, seeing that they were being chased, raced to a car park outside Angola Hall and ran into Awolo Hall for safety. So they got in a car chase, basically a high-speed chase. Yeah. What really, I mean, I know this is a very serious thing, but this is exactly what I dream of doing anytime someone cuts me off in traffic. It's just chasing them. <laughs> like, so the student union, which is kind of their, it's like their ASU, like their associate student body president whatever had also received information that cult members were gathering in a house in the staff quarters so they mobilized in response to hearing about the car chase and they found in the house nine students some mostly students some other just individuals Mm -hmm. nine individuals Eight of them were students with a submachine gun, a locally manufactured gun. It doesn't say exactly what type. An axe, a bayonet, and the clothing and regalia of the Black Axe Contra Fraternity. The university authorities were informed and these members were handed over to the police and they were held in police custody and taken to court two weeks later, but they were granted bail. Oh my god, no. The case was heard about two weeks later and everyone was acquitted. The students that had apprehended them weren't called as witnesses and the police officer that investigated claimed that all the witnesses could not be located and tried to contact them and they basically no one wanted to snitch. All the evidence was destroyed. Uh, They ordered that the submachine gun be sent to the police armorer and everything destroyed, eliminating all evidence, making it impossible to reopen the case. So it was reported that maybe there had been some foul play. So the magistrate um, was reported for disciplinary action, but nothing came of it and nothing came of the case. They didn't kill the people, though, right? Three months later. Oh, no. So the university closed for three months as a result of an unrelated student crisis. And when it reopened three months later, they returned to campus and they were seen attending classes and lectures. And the students raised alarm because they're not supposed to be wearing their regalia on campus. They're not supposed to be on campus. And in response to this, the university issued a letter basically affirming that they were suspended any cult member or any member of their group was suspended and they were dated the 8th of july but no one is sure if they were actually received before the events that happened two days later on the night of july 9th 1999 a number of student groups held a party in the university kind of like main hall Um, there were members of another group called the kegites club uh, Man of War, who was like another group. That's dope. I do a kegite stand right now. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was a kegel stand. My bad. <laughs> Ew. Hey. Uh, and both That's tight. other students. <laughs> 
between 3, 3 and 3.30 a.m., a large number of the Black Axe gang, supposedly between 22 and 40 people, showed up and carried out a planned assault on the university. They attempted to assassinate any of the people that had tried to tell on them. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, allegedly, the current chancellor of the university funded it. Whoa, what? what? But this was never officially proven. Um, but in one of their confessions, they said that he funded it. I we mean, don't know if that's true or not, though. Upon arriving at the university, they drove through the main gate and proceeded to um, the quad where they disembarked and opened fire, also wielding axes and cutlasses. Cutlasses are like pirate swords. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like, I thought you meant they were wielding a 79 Oldsmobile Cutlass Supreme. <laughs> just holding Supreme. it and tossing it yeah. at people. <laughs> Those are not good cars, and they are very difficult to navigate. I can't imagine anyone wielding one effectively. Right. Um, now, there's some debate as to what happened next, but what we do know is that following the assault, four people were dead, another died of wounds later, and another survived a wound, and 25 others were injured. Oh, my God. Some of those injuries sustained during the stampede to try and escape. Oh, my God. One of the people that they attempted to assassinate escaped through a window. Uh, they basically walked through the campus yelling for him to come out so that they could kill him as he escaped. So they ended up going directly to his room, kicked in his door, and he thankfully was gone. So they weren't able to kill him. But he was just like a student. Yeah. You know, it was crazy. Um, the only victim that they officially like intended to assassinate that they successfully killed um, was a man named George Iwilade. Um, and he was said to have carried out their original arrest. And supposedly he was the worst where he wasn't just shot. He was, they said, butchered. Jesus. Oh, my God. Yeah. This yeah. is horrifying. So allegedly they first entered room 184, which was one of the residence hall rooms, where they shot and killed a man named Ife Akede. Um, in room 230, they shot Charles Ita, both of whom were students. Um, then they shot Yemi Ajiteru and... In room 273, they shot George Iwulade, who was the one that they allegedly then butchered. Um, they shot him through the head, and they shot the other person in the room, Tunde Oke. And he was shot in the abdomen. That's part of it. I think he's one of the ones that survived. They went to then to room 271, where they tried to find the guy who escaped. Um, but he had been in his room when he heard the first gunshots, and just booked it out the window. Hmm. So he thankfully had enough of a head start. God. So the murderers then left the hall on foot and went down a path back behind the college to their vehicles. They then drove to the student union building where they had originally been basically arrested three months before and they ransacked it. They then drove out using their vehicles most of the security staff that should have been checking or coming to people's defense heard the gunfire and fled for their lives. Jesus. So they carried out their assault and then left. Twelve different individuals were arrested and charged in a three-week trial following the murders. 
Um, but only one of those 12 was involved in the March one, three months before of those arrested. And the other eight that had been involved in March couldn't be located. Um, some of them had resumed studies in France and fled abroad. Others had dropped out of school. But basically, these 12 now stood on trial, and they've received varying amounts of punishment. Some have been tried for murder, some haven't. But one of the biggest thing was, literally days after uh, the assault happened, the vice chancellor was forced to step down because of the rumors that he had helped fund the attack. Wow. And this professor that wrote this book became the new vice chancellor. Wow. Oh, shit. So that's why I'm like, oh, we didn't prove it. I don't know if that guy actually funded it, but the guy that's saying it is now in his job. So, hmm. and that's Suspicious. kind of, yeah, that's kind of where it left off. This assassination basically caused a lot more schools to expel those contra fraternities from campus, but they still exist. They're still around. What has has the author, the the Nobel Peace Prize guy who originally started the concept? Mm-hmm. Like has he talked about this? Yeah, he's actually he wrote our first source, the interventions, cults of people in denial. So he basically is calling for all the all of them to be removed from campuses basically and to become peaceful organizations which is what he aspires for his organization to be it's just it's so upsetting and so crazy that like everyone is trying to get an education trying to better their lives and essentially they get caught up in what is gang violence yes yeah we get it you visited usc (laughs) but yes and a lot of it is because, I mean, it wouldn't have escalated like this if the military had not been funding them and giving them weapons. Right? True. This is crazy. Yeah. It would it would almost be like if one of our political parties went to one of the fraternities on campus and were like, here's a bunch of guns. Shoot everyone that doesn't agree with yeah. us. I, I'm really glad the U.S. has never gone to a place... Uh, where we just didn't like where things were going on and then we fed them weapons intel and training and that that training intel and weapons never came back to haunt us in any kind of way yeah cuba (coughs) the middle east (coughs) i'm not gonna name one country because it's like pretty much the entire region (coughs) nicaragua uh (coughs) nicaragua and colombia (coughs) i uh yeah i think that if the u.s gave guns to a fraternity that would be the kappa 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 in your ass the more i think about it i love it, I love it so much. <laughs> oh my god yeah <sighs> this is a tough one because it doesn't have like a definitive ending um they estimate at this point that somewhere between 115 and 250 students have died as because a result of this violence, of this violence this in the last twenty years, give or take. So this is this is like nationwide. This is all across the country. Yeah, that there are these groups and that there's this violence happening. Right. It's much more prevalent in certain areas, but yes, basically any college that has a history of these groups. I is honestly, subject. I don't want you to think this is a joke. I really, really, genuinely mean this. I really wish people could just go to school without the fear of being fucking shot. A hundred percent. I really wish yeah. that was a reality. It's not, I'm not doing a bit. There's no avant-garde or like, there's yeah. no like absurdity here. I just mean very genuinely. I mean, yeah, it's here in America too. Yeah. It's everywhere. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's one of, it's just like, I feel like 
everyone should just kind of agree like hey colleges schools any school in general just let them learn yeah i'm sorry no it's okay i mean like i think the the issue is that people attend those places and they feel like they've been wronged for some reason and they want to exert power and they're still developmentally children so like they they're just their decision making sucks yeah yeah yeah, when did we meet? <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. Just because you couldn't drink legally yet doesn't mean we didn't date till you were old enough to be in bars, baby. That's true. That's fair. That's, yeah. I can I can attest to that. I don't think I could. I don't think I could be an adult and date someone who couldn't go to a bar with me. I've that done it. It's weird. the worst. It's yeah. That's why you end up going to a frat party at USC and bringing out weed, and everyone looks at you like you're the bad guy. Ugh. Anyway. Oh man, this is this was really interesting. Yeah, yeah it was really one good. that I like found and no one had sent it to us, and I was like, "But this is fascinating. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. I can't believe like this is even a thing." Well, you and know especially what I mean? as somebody who's been in like a letter, a Greek letter organization like this, I was like, "That's crazy. How it could go so crazy?" <laughs> well, I think you are the perfect one to cover this too. I I do kind of, and probably as a speculation zone, want to just cover Greek letter organizations in general. That'd be super um, interesting because. I don't think they're a cult. You can leave whenever you want. Whatever. You know, like, they're yeah. not keeping people there. There's not necessarily a common ideology. But they're an interesting kind of type of group in our society that I find really fascinating. Yeah. yeah. I'd like to learn more about them because I also think they're really interesting. But, like, when I was in college, I was like, that's scary. I don't want to yeah. be a part I of have that. a list of things that uh, I wanted to know if any of these are – I know that you can't legally sure say what what the secret is okay but you are you are allowed to tell me if i guess it correctly that's the that's law. not the law no. so okay. is the secret of your uh, sorority the recipe to uh in and outs spread that's just thousand island dressing so, <laughs> uh that's all the questions i had okay that's pretty yes, much my only thousand guess. Island dressing. do you have a guess do you have a guess for the, the a guess what, for what the the, the secrets are? Yeah, I mean, which sorority were you in? Can you not say? I tend not to say, That's although I think people kind of know. That's fair. If you can figure it out, you probably. I'm just hoping one secrets. of these days I get famous enough to be listed on our uh, on our Wikipedia page. Oh, Ooh. baby, you got to do what I do and just be from a dog shit small town in the <laughs> middle of fuck all nowhere, and so that way, if you have any amount of fame, they're like, hey, look, we got one that didn't. Don't go kill somebody. Yeah, I'm I'm up against like legitimately famous people. <laughs> yeah. I was list. raised in LA, but I was born in Indio, so I got a lot. My town is known for two things, and that's Coachella and meth. <laughs> you're doing great. And baby. you're listed right under meth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, He's the biggest thing to be to leave Indio since meth. Armando <laughs> Torres. I genuinely I, I saw a book the other day that was called uh, it was about a baseball player who they called the world's tallest Mexican guy was two inches shorter than me. I think <laughs> genuinely, honestly, I think I may be the, the tallest the Mexican. World's tallest Mexican. I don't know. I don't I'm know for p- sure. Um, thank you for this episode, Paige. Of course, this is really awesome. This was really interesting. Yeah. This episode and all episodes like it are funded by secret organizations. Uh, inside of everywhere, read into it. Who pays for cult podcast? Uh, follow the money. Patreon donors. Uh- <laughs> I have a name for a shout out. Uh, the first shout out goes to Hallie Burton. Burton? <laughs> That's my sister, mm. dude. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, we have a Patreon now. It's super dope. It's super awesome. Great episodes like this one are brought to you by not just Hallie Burton, but uh, our wonderful Patreon donors. <laughs> yes. You're the real MVPs. You yes. are. Um, and one of the things that we give to all of our Patreon donors is a shout out on the show. So I'm going to start us off this week. I would like to thank. Oh, boy. I forgot about this. Um so this person sent me their name and just said, I'd like you to say my whole name and I just know that you're going to butcher it. Okay. And then in parentheses they put, hint, it's French of origin. Okay. Sorry, Mondo. Oh, I might be able to pronounce this if you fuck it up. Christina Giazzo. Giazzo is actually how Giazzo. I would have pronounced oh, that. Oh, yeah. fuck yeah. You want to try that one? Christina croissant that's pretty good <laughs> so this one yeah th- this one goes out to croissant and uh we just want to say thank you so much um go back to french you filthy fucking animal thank you oh thank you for being God, here thank you for no supporting us. <laughs> all right this next one goes out to Encoria. yeah hell yeah Encoria, you're the shit uh thank you for a supporting us and b not being a fucking french and c holding us down like an anchor oh, <laughs> oh hell yeah oh yeah. this next one goes out to sarah from kansas city yeah oh yeah shouts out kansas city we will be back this january what 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 panic fest 2.0 yeah. Don't panic. We'll be there. I'm so excited <laughs> to go back for Panic Fest. I it's going to be great. Uh, more details to come Yay. in the future. This one, next one goes out to Jimbo Dini and Mary. He left us a message. If I want you to put shoes on to take a crap on the lawn, I want you to do it. Thanks, what? Dad. I want you to put what? shoes on to take a crap on the lawn. I want you to do it. One time, my dad wanted to take us out for ice cream, but he wanted to be it, uh, it to be like a surprise, and uh-huh. so he was like, "Hey, put your shoes on." And we were watching like TV or some shit. We were like, "No, we're busy." And he was like, "Put your shoes on." And we were like, "No, we're watching TV." And he was like, "If I tell you to put your shoes on to go out and take a goddamn crap on the lawn, I want you to do it." And then we just <laughs> laughed in his face. That's very. <laughs> funny. We were like, "You said crap." Did he take you for ice cream, though? No. No, not after that. He dragged them outside and went, shit on my lawn. (laughs) Shit on the lawn. Shit on my lawn in your shoes. There was also one time we asked if we could have a rabbit for a pet, and he was like, no, rabbits are terrible. They eat all the grass. They shat on the land. We're not having rabbits. (laughs) He makes a good call. I think having rabbits as a pet is really cruel, honestly. If I want you to put shoes on to take a crap on the lawn, I want you to do it. That sounds like a logic puzzle. I don't know how like you're supposed to rearrange it and it spells the fourth key is behind the television underneath the pile of shit this is what you're missing you have to say it like an angry dad if i want you to go out and put shoes on to take a crap on the lawn i want you to do it which why would you put shoes on that just means you might shit on your shoes your idea of an angry dad is just a mild wrestler (laughs) a mildly upset wrestler my dads didn't get that angry (laughs) <laughs> so thank goodness uh our next shout out goes to annie libertini annie libertini who made us our awesome eye patches I love oh it yeah, so yeah. Much. she also she made this amazing thing that we cannot post pictures of unfortunately fucking hilarious it was great it also was wonderful. as a fun fact if you go to any bar and ask for a libertini they'll give you a martini and go god bless america <laughs> <laughs> okay 
It's a libertini. Is it? Is it? A, is the martini red, white, and blue, and it has a little, little tiny bald eagle on the rim? It does. Uh, but the red, white, and blue symbolizes a French flag, and the bald eagle has its shoes on and is taking a shit in your <laughs> libertini. You know the French gave us the Statue of Liberty, right? The French can suck my baguette. Yikes. Uh, on that note. Hey, real quick shout out to Sparks Wonder. You sound like a superhero. I hope you fight crime. I do. Sparks Wonder is great. What's that? What's Sparks Wonder? So, yeah, Sparks Wonder. Superhero or or serial mascot. Ooh. What do you think? Because superhero is super dope, but I feel like technically speaking almost all serial mascots are some form of superhero because they all have like some form of power or i mean something. most of them are criminals yeah most of them well cookie crisp has those robbers and oh yeah then, no uh, he has the wolf yeah but then there's the robbers that are after the cookie crisp mm. and then there's lucky charms no 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 lucky charms is somebody who has a bunch of shit that all these kids want and he's constantly Corporate running greed. away oh, i guess yeah. he's a victim of crime honestly the yeah. tricks rabbit and the cookie crisp wolf they are the ones that Similar steal cookie yeah. crisp yeah so okay and then captain crunch is a pirate oh well, yeah i thought he was a captain you can you I have to oh, pirate shit has to have the captain. <gasps> yeah. I thought he was like legit. I thought he was like in the name. And then Sugar Smacks has that anthropomorphic frog. Sugar Smacks always reminds me because smack it just reminds me of heroin. It will, it like, oh my god. It, well, it reminds me of there's a there's a juggalo adjacent performer who always does the gathering of the juggalos infomercials i thought you were gonna say always does heroin it's just no yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but her name is sugar slam and it makes oh, me think God. of that every time sugar smacks makes me think of like hey kids do you want to try heroin but you're not old enough to steal your mom's car radio sugar smacks is the cereal for you deliciously addictive a free needle in every box. What? No. Plus, there's that Fruit Loops bird with the giant nose. That's uh. Toucan Sam. Toucan Sam. Toucan Sam. You could put Pablo Escobar out of business. <laughs> Toucan Sam. <laughs> and then they introduce best customer. If we're being honest, they introduce his nephews. I think it was. They have like little tiny birds. Yeah, they're cute. Um, my favorite, and I'm sad they don't have them anymore, is the monster cereals like oh, Count they do. Chocula they're, they're and seasonal, Blueberry. Dude. Oh, that's yeah, they have dope. blueberry. They're, they should be out it. like right now, actually. Anyway, Sparks Wonder, uh, the mascot of the only of the only cereal that has is, pop rocks in it. It's just batteries. It's just <laughs> it's old just recycled batteries. <laughs> okay, alternate theory: Sparks Wonder is what someone says, like when they're like doing an affirmation. It's like, okay, like you are interesting. You. Spark, spark wonder. wonder that's how i clean out my fridge i keep everything that sparks wonder where <laughs> i don't know what's growing out of that i wonder so it stays <laughs> that's very funny thank you sparks wonder for everything you do uh if you live in the midwest please send me a box of sparks wonder and uh <laughs> the requisite uh gallon of oil that you have to eat it with what send, send us the diet coke flavor of Lacroix. oh is that a thing so Lacroix actually also makes just like cola flavor why Ew. yeah i don't know I have, I have a friend who went to college in the midwest and she sent me a photo of it i was like what that sparks wonder yeah, it does i was like i wonder who drinks that <laughs> i didn't see it in texas and i looked 
to uh to kind of join us here in the patreon zone uh get your name read get all of this cool bonus content and also a bunch of other rewards you can go to patreon.com slash cult podcast you can also go to our website which is coltpodcastshow.com and head over to the patreon tab and we're still waiting on some people's preferred name because we don't want to just shout out yeah your i don't want to name i don't want to blow, up your, blow spot. up your spot yeah so uh if you haven't received a shout out yet please email us yeah that'd be super dope uh hey if you want to send me a samurai sword seems like the only thing i can choose if you have an extra samurai sword and you send it to me i will reimburse you up to 22 dollars that's it i'll pay you 22 dollars <laughs> for your samurai sword you're gonna regret this choice because you're gonna be like oh, i don't I don't. Hey, if you want to send me a samurai sword, I promise not to cut my own penis off again. What? Um, yeah, that was the bit from the from Bradley time, from Bradley's house. I went to Bradley's dad's house, and he has the samurai sword because uh, Bradley's mom said it was her or the sword, and so he moved out. <laughs> yeah, cut your dick off, bomb the Russians. <laughs> yeah, like a boss. Uh, so yeah, if you have a samurai sword that no longer sparks wonder in your house, please send it to me. Uh, you can do so at Mondo Does Stuff. That's M A N D O Does Stuff on Instagram and Twitter. And you can go to MondoDoesStuff.com. If you want to send me all of your secrets or let me know about a crazy secret society near you or even just your grandma's secret recipe, if you want to share that with me, I love secrets. Uh, send them to me on all the things at Sundress Comic. Or check out my art. It's dope. I have like bunnies that are a sky and like Armando with a snake and shit. Check all those things out at Andrea Gazetta. Um, if you want to send me, this is a very unique thing. Most sororities have their own cookbook. If you have one and you want to unload it, even if it's not my chapter, I'm interested in that shit. I've been able to find ones for my chapter online. So if you have one. Send it my way. Interesting. Yeah, you can send those to me at Paige Wesley on Twitter or at Rampage Wesley on Instagram. You can also follow the show or send us something as a whole, like uh, Annie Libertini sent us the coolest thing we've ever gotten, or one of the coolest things we have ever gotten, which is the uh, eye patches, which are fucking super dope. Yeah, I'd say like on a list is like eye patches, Nazi gold. Yep. And then for me, the Pokemon Anatomy book. <laughs> Speaking of which, if you're the person who sent me the Pokemon Anatomy book, Please send me a message. I want to thank you personally. It was so great, and I don't know who you are. Uh, also, the Peach Fago that I will be picking up shortly yep. from the mailbox. If we get more than one Peach Fago, I want to try some. We've got two. Ooh, we've got two. Yeah. I think six packs of it. So, yeah. oh my god. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm gonna Peach die. Fago out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So you can send us any of this stuff to our Instagram, which is Colt Podcast. Or on Twitter at Cult Podcast Show. You can also send us an email to cultpodcastshow at gmail.com and send Fago as an attachment. Hooray! Just pour it directly into the uh, computer. This or is not science. Please do not do that. <laughs> or you could send actual Fago. We are trying to try as many flavors as possible. Ooh. Send them to 3756 West Avenue 40, Suite K, number 237. Like, like the, the Shining. Shining. Los Angeles, California, 90065. This wee shit is news to me. I, what if you love one? That's what I'm afraid Grape of. Grape was yeah. pretty good. It tastes like cough medicine. I, mm, mm, yeah, yummy. what? 
love that cough medicine, baby. You can also visit us online at cultpodcastshow.com. That's where you can find a bunch of information. You can find episodes and you can learn more about our Patreon oh, and also our merch and stuff. I know that uh, we just added a, some stuff. What about those sweet, sweet candles? Yep. Those are up there too. Prayer candles are available on the store. Go check them out. Coldpodcastshow.com. Head over to the shop or store page. I don't remember what I called it, honestly. I, I designed them myself and Armando Smoking Weed and it makes me so happy. <laughs> They're very, very cool. They're my favorite. Thing. This was, I I showed pictures and told them, told somebody about them and they were like, that's the fucking best merch idea I've ever heard yeah, of. I was dude. like, damn straight it was. We have uh, some of the best merch in the podcast game. I stand by that. I yeah, really yeah, do. Yeah. 100%. We design it all ourselves and sometimes make it all ourselves. Yeah. Super dope. Um, yeah. I'm going to say don't drink the sea dog salt water. Ooh. Ugh. And don't drink the Kool-Aid. Bye. Bye.